What's up, man? Up, oh, bro. How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Pretty good. Another Still day, another dollar. You know win, how it rolls. Bro. What's that? Still buzzing from that win. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Anytime that we blow out a team that comes in there thinking that they're close to us or equals to us and we blow them out of the water and make them rethink life, it's great, bro. Well, now we're up against the Warriors. We got two in a row. And yeah. I woke up to some good news that it looks like Draymond Green decided to choke out Rudy Gobert. <laughs> you think we'll get a WWE matchup between those two guys someday? I think it's I think it's inevitable at this point that eventually those two are going to do something. I just hope that nobody else gets involved when they decide to be stupid. Somebody. I promise you well, somebody it, else will be there. It's funny because the ESPN announcers, they're all like talking about like people don't like Rudy Gobert for some reason. And I'm like, people don't like Draymond Green at all. Like there's no, I wonder why. You know what I'm saying? It's like everybody knows why they don't like Draymond Green. But it goes back to, you know, something I sent you before the podcast goes is like, why are there so many fights going on? Why are there so many skirmishes going on right now? Yeah, it's like and it's back in the 90s. It is. Like, if you look at the physicality of what's happening with this team right now and how they're just, I mean, any team we're going up against or anybody in the league, people are getting in each other's faces. Kenny Hustle last night, you know, got a technical there. Um, but it's because this so much physicality is going on in every single game that it gets amped up. It's amped up. It's amped up. Um, the old, what we can now call the old school NBA, which was this last you know decade or so, they really focused on quitting that, you know, stopping that shit out. You know, like they would they would step in between the fights before they would happen. They would do all that stuff, and now it's like as if like they're okay with the charge. And we saw what happened last time this went around, you know, like the Ron Artest thing, you know, yeah. like he went into the stands. Like this is what happens when you have anybody. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from or anything like that. You put people that are charging up the energy in the arena and then all of a sudden they go loose. I mean, that's that's on you, NBA. So you think um, the cool commission needs to turn into the tough commission? Yeah, I, I do. I think like guys like Grayson Allen, their their time in the NBA should be numbered. Like no one wants to sa- sign a player um, like Grayson Allen to a long term contract, knowing that they're going to miss twenty games a season for suspensions. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, I, I I think that Draymond Green is should be the same way. Like there's a certain aspect to these guys that you you got to look at them and say, are is it worth it that these guys are going to put other players into harm's way? You know, they might, they might not throw the first punch, but they're going to do something all game long until the first punch is thrown and then they're going to capitalize on it. You know, like that's the type of mentality that I I call like the old school military. Like when I was in the military back there, back in the day, like you would just badger people, you'd be dick holes to people, you know, dick wads, whatever you guys want to call them, right? Dick Dick bags, bags, right? There we go. You'd be dick bags to everybody, bro. And the reason is, is that like, you got to figure out what you're, you're capable of doing. You know, and you got to know what you're able to have this idea of what you can be pushed and how far you can be pushed. But you're seeing this same type of military style dick bags that's in the military that I, you know, I'm guilty of that they're starting to do this in the NBA, you know, and it goes right back to the old school NBA where people go up and, you know, take their feet out from under them or go for a dunk and, you know, like, cool. 
I'm down with that type of NBA. I'm down with physicality, but that does not benefit the Oklahoma City Thunder. Like we do not have those type of guys that can be that type of physical all the time. We've got certain players that that can do that. But if we're leaning on that type of physicality and Shea's not getting the calls, and that's across the NBA, the physicality is being let go, you know? And if that's the case, then we have to adjust our game to be able to be better than that. And how do you adjust your game in a way that's going to benefit you by the physicality like this? What do you do, Mark? Uh, you got to tell me. Dude, you got to have the offense the Oklahoma City Thunder have. It's already primed for that. Think about it. Get to the lane, right? If you don't have an open shot, pass it back out. You get in that physical contact, but you're not putting yourself in harm's way by going up for a shot that you shouldn't go up for. It's as simple as that. We spread the ball around. We're shooting 40-something percent from the three-point line this season, probably 38 or something like that, but like right around that area, you know? That's what we have to continue. If we can shoot at that high rate, then teams can't afford to be physical with us. They can be for short amounts of time, but then all of a sudden we're spreading the ball out, making them run, making it more difficult for the physical contact to keep going. Like the other night, Victor versus Chet, right? Victor was being a little bit more physical than Chet because, you know, Chet is realizing that he doesn't need to put every single effort into every single possession. You know, like Victor is still in that mindset. This is one-on-one situation. So Victor, what does he do? He puts pressure on Chet. Chet goes out to the three-point line. Why? Well, now he just took Victor out of the lane so he can't get a blocked shot. And he created it to the point where there's no physical contact because you can't have physical contact out there. It's a brilliant move by Chet. It's a high IQ move, and it makes it so that guys like Victor are going to have trouble adjusting because if Chet, who is a rookie, knows how to handle somebody like Victor, you know, it's just a matter of time before people start taking notes. Yeah. You can't guard like guys like that. Yeah. And if you can get Victor away from the basket, a lot of good things happen for you. Look how we played him on defense. Look how we played him on, um, on um, offense when he was on defense. Like, that is a, a roadmap of how to deal with him. He was ineffective completely. 30 minutes that he played, or the 20-something minutes that he played, he scored eight points, had one block. I think he had like 13 rebounds, right? But that's because of the way that we play. You know, we're all spread out. Like, we didn't go for many offensive boards. That wasn't our primor- primary primary like idea of what's going on. We spread the court. We made it difficult for him to have a defensive impact. And thus it made it, he did it like, honestly, there was times out there where, you know, when you don't know how to play basketball and you're, you're chasing the ball essentially, right. And you know, backyard and like people are passing the ball and you're chasing the ball instead of guarding your man. I felt like sometimes I saw Victor doing that. Yeah. And that's not a diss on him, but he just looked like a fish out of water. You know, like Chet was down there, he's passing the ball, it was inside the flow, he's doing the things that he needed to do. Nine points, one block, two steals, three assists, seven rebounds. That's an incredibly efficient night for him. So I'm not looking at anything else that, you know, that's what I need to see from Chet. Like, if you get those numbers from Victor, that's a disappointing aspect because he's the number one guy there. But with Chet, it's like, you know what, that's great because J-Dub had 11, Shea had 28. Josh Giddy had a spectacular night. One of his best 25 minutes of playing basketballs, playing basketball in one night we've ever seen. I mean, just 18 points, two blocks, seven assists, seven rebounds, like incredibly efficient out there tonight. That's what happens. You know, you see somebody like Chet that says, 
hey, I'm getting this physical contact down here. Yes, I can do this, but I've got old game. I've got old game to play against Victor. I've got old game to play against blank. And if I spread this out right here and I allow guys like J-Dub and Shea and Josh Giddy to get to the hole, because that's what he did, a completely unselfish move by him. You know, he could have stayed down in the post and got probably six, eight more points down in the post, but he spread out with inside of the offensive context, making it incredibly difficult to guard us on every single angle. Yeah, dude, it was a great game. It really was. And I mean, exactly. If Chet puts up eight or nine, it's not a big deal. But if Wemby does, that's the end of the world for the Spurs. Let's talk a little bit more about dick bags. Um, yes. So, first of all, I assume that the, the Spurs fans would What's up, be... Caleb, Corey, Jordan? What's up, guys? I figured the Spurs fans would be dickbags, but I'll tell you this about the Spurs fans. They know when they're beat. And they know when to shut up when they ain't got nothing to talk about. So you got to tip your hat to them for knowing when to shut up and not coming through and acting like, even though they were losing by 40, they were the best. So, kudos to the Spurs fans for knowing when they're beat. But you know what? There was a different dick bag. A dick bag that was masquerading as a Thunder fan that showed up during the game. And I need to apologize uh. to this dick bag because I really went at him and I got really angry. Because we're really used to average dick bag. I don't even know what his name is. Coming along, even though it's just a random dude. There's a lot of these random dudes. And coming up with this new idea for team improvement, Dave. Here's our oh, yes. new team improvement idea by the dick bag. Why don't we trade team Josh Giddy? If we team trade Josh Giddy, Dave, won't we be a better team? Uh, dude, this is this is one of the greatest moments of our podcasting. Usually, we have to fend off, um, as Mark and I like to call them, in Australia. Uh, we have a lot of Australian fans out there who told us last night that Dick Bag is totally an Australian thing. So we're going to continue to say that, um, but. There's a lot of uh, people out there that are dickbags in the aspect of they think they know what is best for this team. And here's the issue with it, is the reason we are here, all right, guys, is because we listen to Sam Presti every single press conference that he gives. Hyper-listen to him. Like, we sit there and write notes. We did this far before we ever had a podcast. And then when we're sitting there listening to other podcasts talk about how this player needs to be traded and this player needs to be ta traded, and then you're sitting and saying, but why would Sam Presti do that if Sam Presti's saying, patience, 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 right? So then it's just like, well, well, that's, that's not, Sam Presti doesn't want to do that, but that's what I think is best. And then it's like, well, that's why you're a moron. Because you think that this is best right here. Because if you're the one that thinks it's best and the people on the podcast who really don't probably get fucking paid anything more than probably $100 a month for doing a podcast, but they're telling you that they should trade Josh Giddy, there's your fucking sign that you need help. Because in no circumstance, you should ever trade a player like Pistol Pete. You should ever trade a player like Josh Giddy. You should ever trade a player like Magic Johnson or Larry Bird or whoever else I've heard an expert say Josh Giddy reminds them of. Like, that's what's so crazy is that if you just do the research, you guys understand that there is no way in a world that you would want to trade a player like Josh Giddy. And the, the idea, the idea that you could put him on the San Antonio Spurs and him and Victor would be the best one two combo young punch in the league. And everybody be raving about those two guys? Come on. Like, that's your sign right there that this is a bigger and better idea of what's happening. Josh Giddy's a big piece of that. We saw that last night. When he's playing like he is, and I know he can, he can put up 18 points like it's nothing. 
like it's nothing. He gets around the guy. He puts him on his hip. He gets to the free throw line. He didn't need to hit a three to get to 18. It was all basic buckets. And that's what I love about Josh. And you put somebody like that in the game that's controlling your offense that doesn't care if he gets the shot or not. He wants the assist, but he doesn't care if it's the hockey assist. Like, that's what's so great about it. He's okay with not getting any recognition for his assist. And whether it was last night, the night before, he comes down the lane and he'll go and he'll put it to the guy's hand that's wide open, recognizing the guy over there is about to get a bucket and he just gave it a hockey assist to somebody else. An unselfish player is somebody that you need running your offense. And now games, you can have four or five stars on your team that play big time minutes, but you need somebody that handles the ball. And if you think that coach and Sam Presti don't believe that as, as well, then why did you go out and get a player like Mischich? You know, because he's the same type of principle of player. Pass, 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 pass. Like, how many passes did we see last night that was just unbelievable? You're like, holy shit, Mischich is amazing. You know, like, that's what you need running your offense. Yeah, and for Giddy, finding his groove, like, it, it doesn't, like, this is consistent now, three years in a row where he starts out just a little bit slower than a certain group of fans want to. And it's a very small minority of fans, and they're very vocal. And they're the same group of fans that were saying the exact same thing. And I I swear to God, I lost plenty of friendships over this, but they would say, we need to trade Russ. We need to trade Russ. We need to trade Russ. The reason the team isn't good is because of Russ is on it. 19 steals. Had KD, we'd be good. And then all of a sudden, there was a playoff series where Russ got hurt by Beverly. And we got to see what the team looked like with just KD. And it was like, oh my gosh, this is a lot worse than we thought. Do those people ever like, utilize that information to improve their opinion? No. These people, I think it's maybe hard for our, our Australian friends to understand. Of course, they have great sports fans there, but there's just a percentage of Oklahoma City Thunder fans who spend their time trashing whatever point guard we have. And they always come up with trade packages about how it would be better if you could take this many shots that this guy was shooting and shift them over to the shooting guard or the small forward. And if that guy could get all the shots that that guy was shooting, then we would win every game by 10. Like, they don't understand actual basketball. But what they do understand slightly is grade school math. And so they just move everything over. They add up the efficiency and they go, ha ha, this person is a failure. And if we had two Kevin Durants on our team, we would win a championship. As if there are two Kevin Durants to be had. And that's where I, I look at it. And I just think that we have to like, recognize that we spend a lot of time like, beating back the giddy haters. Because we have no doubt what the future looks like for Josh Giddy. So oh, yeah. we're, like, we're extremely confident. But here's the thing. I'd like to just address this idea that like, Thunder fans should be like, creating trade packages and dumping players and all this stuff as a part of like actively being a fan, especially when it comes to like a 21 year old future superstar. Um, this is not being a good fan. Like this is equivalent to jerking off. And like, you can be a big fan. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Back that up. It's equivalent to jerking off in public. Jerking your friend off in public. Okay. All right. Because like jerking off in general is not a bad thing. It's not bad. <laughs> we want to make sure that's like, clear guys. No shame know, in that. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's like, it's just self-serving. Like you don't really get anywhere. Like you just like you spank it and then you go back to where you were before. And that, that's what these people are doing. They're, cre- they're like, oh, 
Josh Giddy. And then all of a sudden they watch the game and Josh Giddy has a good game. And guess what? They're conflicted. They're conflicted because they want him to have bad games so that the team will look bad so that we'll get rid of him so that we could then become good. Like what type of mentality is this? So yeah. maybe it's like I said the other day, like giving yourself a blowjob or something. It's just like, well, like good they, for you. Again, it goes back to the math thing. They, they take 21 year old and say, if we go out and get a 26 year old, 27 year old, Mm-hmm. You know, then we fast forward our momentum here, and that's where we we say that's no, that's not gonna ha- doesn't happen like that. Like it's gonna take two to three years to get that player up to speed, right? But during that two or three years, that player you just tra- um traded isn't gonna be necessarily somebody that you're gonna wish you traded. I mean, look at Halberton. <laughs> you know, like don't you think the Kings are sitting there saying? Yeah, we could have we could have been patient. Like I still think it was a, a good trade for Sabonis, but that's just because we're still in the second year, um, year of the trade or second yeah. and a half year of the trade. Wait for another year or two, and then all of a sudden it's going to be a whole new story. Like you're going to be like, oh man, now you're looking at Sabonis into his 30s, mid 30s or 31, 32, whatever it would be, and Halliburton's going to be destroying the NBA, and everybody's going to be like, man, like he's like the next Shea essentially. You know, like that's what kind of happened. Wasn't getting the love that he needed to, went to a different place and just destroyed it. And yes, the Clippers loved Shea, but he was the fourth or best, best fourth or fifth best player on that team, and that's how they looked at him. Man, like you know what's crazy about Shea? Drafted by the Hornets, traded to LA. Just like Kobe. Just like Kobe. And somehow. Somehow they're sitting there and they could have had the next, like, super, superstar. Like, the Clippers, like, if Shea was on that team right now, dude, I get it. They may not have Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, but, man, that team would be so good right now. I, I, if I were Steve Ballmer, bro, I would pull a medieval king and I would burn everybody at the stake who fucking told him to do that. I'm sorry, Jerry West. You got to go. Well, he did. I mean, but I don't think Jerry West did that. I think it was a lot of Doc Rivers, though, man. Like, everybody, everybody needs to be burnt at the stake. Like, to me, like Frank, I, I, I look at this is that the Clippers had a young team, right? They had young assets. They had draft picks. They had everything you need to build. All they had to do is just put their mind together and say, this is how we're going to build it. Instead, they're like, hey, shiny new object. And guess what they're going to get out of it? Nothing. And that's what everyone like, wants us to do. They want I, us to go I, for like the same thing. I wanna I wanna make sure that like I, I appreciate Vic, one of our um one of our boys. Um he has uh, all things basketball, but he says that you know he thinks the Clippers are gonna be good this year. And I look at the, the team and I keep on looking at him being like, Okay, but Kwai is not playing as much. Harden hasn't really gotten in touch. You know, like Paul George is always like one one injury away from missing twenty games, and same thing with Kawhi. Like, what happens when this team is just James Harden and Russ, and they don't have a bench to support them? And then that's my point: is that like it's going to happen, and it's going to be for a stretch. And when that happens, everybody's going to look at them and be like, "Oh shit!" But then that's when everybody sits there and remembers. Yeah, see, this is why we fucking hate the Oklahoma City Thunder is because the Clippers suck this year and they're still going to be a top six team, top five team in the West, and they're going to get a top 10 pick again. It's going to be like that over and over and over again for the foreseeable future. 
or if we trade a top 10 pick because we don't see anybody we like, which I could see us doing and trading out of a draft for somebody that wants it, we get three or four future draft picks out of it. I mean, that's what we got. That's what we had to give up to get Jang. And we, what, we gave up three and we kept one. Yeah, so, but I three, mean, yeah. I, think, I think two of them don't, won't probably convert them. <laughs> okay. I think, I think two of them, if they do convert, I mean, like, I don't think they're very good picks at all. Like, at all. Sam Nothing Presti. sexy about number 22. Sam motherfucking Presty, bro. So, you ain't Sam Presty, so don't be a dickbag, and don't go around trying to trade away our young players. And if you do, get ready to get slapped in the fake face by my dick, because I'm not going to tolerate this shit anymore, bro. I'm just, like, Dude. done with this shit. In our chat, I want to say this a huge shout out to our chat last night. We had that place popping, man. And afterwards, everyone was like, oh, man, we wish you had kept him on there. Listen, from now on, our chat is in charge of taking care of the fucking trolls, man. Like, we'll say something to get it all beefed up. But, man, we love it when you guys go at those guys. You know, don't don't talk about poking eyeballs out or anything else like that. But, you know, do what you must. We love you guys. We'll see you tomorrow for the game. Peace.